Welcome in everybody to the Longhorn Republic, your source for Texas Longhorn news, sports, and opinions with a bit of snark built in. We are a podcast at Burn Orange Nation. You can find more great Texas Longhorn content over at burnorangenation.com. If you like what we do, please leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. It helps get the show out there. Share this with your friends wherever you found it, whether it was Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, anywhere where you can find fine podcast content. You can somehow find Kyle and I there as well. Feel free to connect with us on social media at Longhorn Pod. Shoot on Twitter. Shoot us an email, LonghornRepublicPod at gmail.com. My name is Gerald Goodridge. I'm your host this week, like I am every week. And I'm joined by a man who spent way more than 1,200 hours landing his five star. Kyle Carpenter. Kyle, how are you? <laughs> Man, uh, th- th- those stories are just so wild. I love the uh, the gift that Coach Lucas tweeted, just the the, the sighing of, like, it's over. Um, yeah. Basically, he hit, like, half of Malcolm, Malcolm Gladwell's tipping point theory just on uh, recruiting one player. So good on you. Um, not really 10,000 hours, but, uh, you know, good on you. That's, that's a whole lot of time. Um, I don't know what I have done in my life for that many hours um i have to probably zoom out to the macro to get to anything uh at that that density i'll say what about you uh 1200 maybe sleep um well fair you sure okay because <laughs> it's, it's what like 50 days is what it works out to so um at one point in my life i probably hit that working out uh as an adult there was a streak where i did that really well but definitely not anymore I would probably say that by the end of the social distancing need, I will have spent 1,200 hours on my couch. It's probably something uh, that will happen. But that's true. I, I think I think also doing this podcast, we're 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 sneakily creeping up on 1,200 hours, Sarah. Oh, we we probably are pretty close with our episode number. 200 is is in the not too distant future, especially if we actually get sports at some point in the next 12 months. <laughs> uh, but we are continuing our um, kind of our quest to honor the greatest in all of the sports at the university of Texas. And I know um, we've gotten the football out of the way early. We did men's basketball, women's basketball had some good stuff. Hashtag TJ Ford shorts. Uh, but we're, we're going a little bit in a direction that, that is near and dear to Kyle and, and my heart, but isn't probably the popular pick. And we're going to move next to softball. Uh, the softball program has been around for just two decades, right? 22 years started with the 97 uh, season. Connie Clark was the founding coach. She planted the flag in the ground. Um, she was replaced by Mike White in recent history. Um, went to the NCAA Women's College World Series, I believe, or the Women's Tournament in 19 of 22 seasons. Uh, College World Series five times, won the conference four times in that 22-year history. So uh, a lot packed into a short amount of time, uh, especially when it comes to all-time players. And, And Kyle, this conversation has to start with the cat, right? Left-handed pitcher, Kat Osterman is a person who I argued at one point, you and I were on campus for both Vince Young, Colt McCoy, and Kevin Durant, was the most dominant athlete we saw while on campus. Yeah, I mean, it, it, you have to think about it, right? I think she was she was the first college softball player to be on the cover of Sports Illustrated. She's one of two um, with all her Olympic duties to ever be on Sports Illustrated cover twice. Um, I mean, she she transcended sports. She's got ESPYs to her. I mean, she is like 
she's legitimately like a a a force and when we we get back to our our all-time Rushmore, we're going to have some conversation about where Cat um, sits in there. But when you're talking just about softball, I mean, it, it's incredible. Like, I, I don't know. She's the first Big 12 player to win for Big 12, or just for Big 12 player of the year in any sport um, in the history of the Big 12 conference. She was a four-time All-American at that, and the four-time pitcher of the year. Every year there, she, she was there, she's the best pitcher, including the three-time player of the year so i mean like think about that in in football terms she won three heismans think about it in basketball terms she won three naismith like if there was a a very viable there is a professional softball league but a very viable high dollar probability league she would have been a one and done candidate you know she just was so unbelievably dominant in college because she played all four years she holds every Texas record uh, in the pitching side and, and every Big 12 record. Um, and honestly, is on the short list for most national awards. She holds multiple national uh, records. Just, I mean, when you make your Mount Rushmore, and there, there was the U.S. softball did a, a draft of the greatest college softball players of all time, and spoiler alert, she was in the top three uh, of that. Uh, so, I mean, it, it, she... You can't have this conversation without starting with the cat, a person who is near and dear to both of our hearts, and I think truly exemplifies the the Texas is is fantastic in in the sports that you know don't always necessarily get the limelight. Uh, you know, she typifies that more than maybe anyone else that that we'll talk about during this series. She is, without a doubt, one of the probably two best college softball players of the last two decades. I think her and Jenny Finch basically are, are depending on who you ask on any given day, it's, it's one of those two. Um, but like seven perfect games in a career uh, strikeout ratio uh, and her whip, like she holds career best in those all time in college softball history, not school history, but college softball history period. And I, I just remember like when she walked to the bump, it was over. Like the game was over before it started. When they, when they put cat's name next to a start, it was like, all right, who's, who's, who's going on Saturday. Right. That was, that was the question was all right. Who, who can we try to touch on Saturday? And, and spoiler alert didn't happen very often in, in Connie Clark's tenure, but it was, there are very few players in any sport at the university of Texas that were automatic Vince young on, on fourth, fourth and short, right? That's, that's an automatic, right? Um, Cat Osterman from the bump, uh, Eddie Reese winning national championships. Like those are, there are a few guarantees in Texas athletics and Cat Osterman was a guaranteed W anytime she, she went out in a thousand innings. She had a 0.5 ERA. It's nuts. I mean, just, just to take it up a level. Cause we do talk about sometimes, especially like when basketball and football, the next level, you know, really look at her playing for the U S national team, 63 and four for the U S team. She just got called up. To this last round, she was by far the oldest player on that team. That means she still could whoop you or I behind the woodshed any day of the week, Gerald. Um, and she's just down the road in, in San Marcos as a uh, coach for the Bobcats uh, softball team there. So, I mean, it's it's she continues to be an elite athlete to this day. Like, she is older than we are, Kyle. And we'll, if the Olympics happen, she was lined up to be on that team. So, yep. it's absolutely... Uh, not so the player who's probably on the other side of the plate, the 
greatest at, at the University of Texas history pro- probably is uh, third baseman Taylor Hoagland, right? Like that's that's a that's another player that I think you and I can agree uh, deserves to have their face on uh, on the softball Mount Rushmore. Yeah, I mean, like you said, Texas is a, is a younger team, only a couple decades of, of playing this, but has, has asserted themselves um, to the you know the top of the food chain in 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 certain years, and you know. UCLA, Arizona, there's a couple of schools that just dominate who represents USA softball. And Taylor Hoagland uh, is another one like Osterman who, who got in there, um, won medals with that team um, and just took it to the next level just to give you kind of a, a level setting of how good um, she is, you know, and, and, and a player who, um, you know, was recognized as an All-American, was, you know, multiple time All-Big 12 and just holds you know, the way Osterman kind of holds uh, all pitching records, Hoagland holds the lion's share, not all certainly, uh, but a good chunk of the power stats um, for the Longhorns while also playing the hot corner at third base, which requires obviously probably your best uh, infield defender. So, um, you know, I, I, I think... Uh, I, I think what order we said these in was, you know, up for debate after Osterman, but there wasn't really any debate whether Hoagland was going to be on this list. Absolutely not. And the only reason why she's not a two-time uh, Olympian is because o- Olympic softball wasn't a thing for a while uh, right. because the world got tired of the U.S. Um, just absolutely dominating that. So, uh, again, like you said, she number one, all time in home runs, runs scored walks on base percentage, uh, number two, all time in slugging percentage, batting average, stolen bases, uh, which is a interesting stat because she was primarily a power hitter, but got to get 88 career stolen bases in there. Just slide that in. But she is just one of two players that has an over 700 slugging average, which is just absolutely nuts. Yeah, and, and she's the only player to have a, a you know reaching game uh, or hit streak. Um, she had a 57-game streak reaching base and, and two over 20-game hit streaks in her career. No other UT player has over 16. She had a 26 and a 21. So we talk about power. Yeah, okay, she leads all the power stats. She also got hits every game, got on base. And then, oh, yeah, when she get on base... She's second all time uh, in stolen bases, so really could do it all. And then, like I said, also had the arm to play third base and the glove to be on that corner. So really, truly a well-rounded, all-around player who I think is, you know, a great representation on this Mount Rushmore. So, Kyle, this one, this one may be, I don't want to say controversial, but um, you and you and I try to avoid recency bias on a lot of these picks. But I think this this next one is a recent player, but I think the 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 resume has already been built. Yeah, I mean I I think you and I got a little bit defensive of of the history when, you know, earlier this season someone tweeted out, you know, Miranda Elish is the goat in Texas and and it, it's hard, sorry, the pick is is Miranda Elish. Um it's it's hard to to when we just talk about Kat Osterman, right? Like it's hard to be a pitcher and come to the university of Texas and compare to that. Um, in, in, you know, she might certainly have a case had it not been for the, the outsized legacy that Osterman, uh, has left. But I think she is certainly, um, an elite player. And, and I, I don't know, uh, feel free to give us a, a shout in the replies of Texas. If you can think of anyone, uh, that even comes close, but probably the best two way player, uh, that UT has ever had both, um, on the mound and then also, uh, hitting, 
Um, she she has been a force uh, multiple times with walk-offs and, and all kinds of stuff um, in her career. So, I mean, I think um, she will take that title as the, the best two-way uh, player and, and I think is is symbolic of, of the new regime and coach the Coach uh, White era um, of just she was the number one player in high school in the country, um, you know, and, and was pretty consensus about it on all the recruiting rankings, and she has lived up to it. Um, unfortunately, she won't get all the career awards probably because she's only going to get two and a half. I don't know how we're going to measure this season. They ca- um, the, the stats count. <laughs> but two and a half years instead of four um, at UT. But, I mean, just truly – she was in this shortened season the national player of the year in this season that you know I think was kind of shaping up to be special where UT was between number one and three in whichever poll you were looking at um she had a chance to you know with that team do something really special potentially talk a national championship they beat the number one and the number two um back to back by the way this year so I mean in a lot of it I mean Elis had to walk off in one of those games I mean she an incredible player with still, you know, more to add to her legacy. She she belongs here, but I'm excited when we look back when it's all said and done and we can look at the totality of that career. I mean, I think she was she was well on her way to having one of, if not the greatest single season performances in school history. And if we look at our qualifications for the other Mount Rushmores, she has her Heisman, right? So when we think about the football Mount Rushmore, the basketball Mount Rushmores, like when if winning a player of the year gets your net, gets your number on the rafters. And so she has that under her belt with all in all likelihood, if she pitches up to the standard of this year, this, this stand, this kind of standalone half year if she does that again next year she could likely have two national player of the year awards oh yeah i mean absolutely she's in 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 yeah you're absolutely right and that that would be interesting how they how they look at that right she wins the half season than the long season but more power to her because she said she's coming back she's now up to you know he counted she threw the perfect game this year she uh she has i think 20 now career shutouts if you count this season's stats so i mean just uh at texas specifically um you know she she is ready to add to the accolades and, and i think the team will will fuel around her she will be the the figurehead um for another year to come absolutely so those three all seem real easy (laughs) number four is where things start to get a little dicey and so we'll go quickly through these next ones and then we'll put kind of put uh put feet to the fire but uh taylor thom is one that we have to mention third team all-american big 12 player of the year owns a school record for grand slams with six as well as rbi with 178 she's third in career home runs with 38 third in doubles with 43 and third in career steals as well. Blair Luna, another one that uh, is, has a real strong resume, three time all American two times as a first team, one time as a second big 12 player of the year, big 12 pitcher of the year, big 12 freshman of the year, all conference honors led the nation in strikeouts, her player of the year year. That's a weird sentence. Second in career games, career saves leader with seven. Uh, and she's basically a cat Osterman away from leading many statistical categories. Yeah, I, I agree. It's got to be tough being, you know, the number two on every single list. Um, but when you look up, like we talked about Osterman at length, when you look up and see that name there, you, you probably don't feel, 
you know, too, too bad. But I mean, a girl locally, a, a, a four year starter at Bowie High School in Austin, a multiple time All State player coming out of college. Everyone knew she was going to be good. Uh, she wasn't going too far down the road to, to go to UT. I think she she um, lived up to every bit of expectation. Um, you know, I, 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 I would probably right now throw my strongest hat, and we'll get cut circle back to this in the ring, but, um, you know, uh, in the ring for her just because she, you know, she really did it. Uh, and, again, I know we're, we're putting Elish and we're putting uh, – this would be three pitchers if we did that, but a three-time All-American is hard uh, hard to argue with, right? She was recognized uh, in the country for how dominant she was, especially that year she led the whole entire country in strikeouts. She was uh, truly drom- dominant and led Texas into the College World Series uh, behind her arm. So I think she's a, a, a really good one, but <laughs> she's not alone in that list. It's it's tough, yeah. So she's one that has a real strong resume. Uh, Bridget Washington is one that um, when we talked about how uh, Taylor Hoagland owns a lot of the uh, hitting records, uh, Washington owns a lot of the other ones that she doesn't. Uh, leads in hits, triples, stolen bases, and second in runs scored uh, with 185. So she's got uh, the rest of the hitting, but not a lot of national accolades to her name, which is kind of the reason why she gets knocked from that first tier. Yeah, it's tough. You just look at her stats. She, she owns every speed non-power stat for Texas, probably the fastest player to ever put on spikes. Uh at McCombs Field, you know, I think um, I, I think it's it's odd. I, I would have to go back and, and really look at why she didn't get more. She had an all regional, all region um, kind of honor, and, and that's all in her career. But she did it for four years. Um, was just really, really, you know, great and could be counted on. But uh, yeah, she's one that you and I went back and forth about. You know, putting in when you just look at the the, the all time stats list, her name pops up so frequently that it's almost hard. To, to imagine keeping her off of it. But, uh, you know, she's certainly in that conversation as well. Absolutely. So, Kyle, I think we like we need to start narrowing this down. Uh, we've got Lexi Bennett, who's one uh, that uh, has a strong resume, second career batting average on base percentage doubles. Uh, Lindsey Stevens, career slugging percentage leader, uh, second in RBI and home runs and triples, uh, numbers one and two in total bases for a single season. Uh, Janae Jefferson, two-time All-American, uh, the only Longhorn with a career batting average over 400, and then Amy Hooks. This is an in- this is an incredible stat. Big 12 Player of the Year while playing behind the plate. Yeah, she doesn't have all the accolades and rank everywhere on the list, but as a former catcher, I had to add Amy Hooks because that's amazing. And she she did put up great stats, but again, you know, you get a lot of your your right fielders who are you know DHs who are just out there blasting balls. The, the hardest position by far in either baseball or softball is the catcher. Um, and so uh, the fact that that Amy Hooks won Big Twelve Player of the Year as a catcher needed to be. I don't think I put her on the the uh, the Rushmore, but she certainly was the honorable mention candidate that I had to I squeezed on. I will say this though for Janae Jefferson. When we look back on this, once her career is over, we may have to revisit this, right? A two-time All-American, a first team and second team um, in her two years um, on campus. She basically is getting better every year. She has the second and third most hits. That was her freshman and sophomore season. And, and Gerald, I was looking at her stats this year. Incredible. She had 74 hits in 27 games. She was batting 560 
Like she was about to put up one of the best hitting seasons in 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 UT history, um, and again she already is the only person with a career over four hundred. So we very we we will have to put an asterisk next to this and say this fourth spot could be hers to earn, and we'll have to revisit it. The podcast will surely be going uh, two years from now, and I don't know if we'll redo this segment specifically, but we may revisit uh, the softball piece of it um, and, and give Janae her her due shine. But uh, but I. Do we have a, a consensus opinion on who our fourth uh, will, will be photoshopped up on the mountain? I mean, I think I think you and I both agree that Luna kind of has to be the one, right? Like that's the one I think you and I both agree on that that Luna probably is that fourth head. Yeah, I mean, I, I that is that is certainly where my heart lies. Um, again, she she's relatively recent, um, you know, uh, enough that that. that I watched her play. She she helped that team go to the um, College World Series semifinals, um, a 51 win season in 2013, um, and was kind of the heart of that uh, that team. I mean, they, they 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 that was kind of the the post cat peak where we thought you know this could be a, a team that wins. I think they were number three uh, that season. At the end of the season was their final rank. So I mean, truly a national championship contender, the likes of which you know either saw Cat Osterman or, or what we were trying to put together this season. So I think I I think from the team, from her performance, from you know leading the country that year in strikeouts, um, being the the basically the All American three times, you know one of the best pitchers in the country sustained greatness even though we already have two pitchers up there I, to me this is Blair Luna's spot and it is well deserved yeah and I think it's okay I think softball is a sport that's kind of defined by pitching right yeah. when, you, when you look at softball like the hitters obviously are there but the biggest names in collegiate softball history I mean Kat and Jenny Finch we already mentioned them like those are probably two of the biggest names all time pitchers yeah. right I think softball is a game that is really, really dictated by pitching. And so I think it's fair that three of the four that made it on our Mount Rushmore are pitchers. Well, I'm just glad we gave the other people some shout because Texas has had some big-time hitters as well, and uh, and they all probably deserved uh, the the uh, the conversation that was had. Um, but I think we got it. I think we have an incredible representation amongst those four. I've got to mention one more before we go to a break, but uh, all name team for what it represented – She's like seventh on a bunch of hitting lists, but Tally Thrasher was a power hitter when you were I were in school. She like led the team at slugging percentage. Just yeah. a great name. Like there's been very few names that fit somebody as well as Tally Thrasher. Tally Thrasher is yeah, I think you're right. Like top five, six or something on on career home runs. A a, a, a woman who know how to thrash the ball. You're right. That's that's a deep cut, and I love it. That's a great pick. Gerald and I both love have covered. Talked to, watched, interviewed these uh, these women, especially in our time on on campus on the softball team. So you will always get a little bump if you uh, you overlapped with Gerald or my uh, era. But uh, you're right, Tally Thrasher. Um, maybe whenever they come out with a softball video game, I may have to create her, and that that's my creative player. All right, so uh, Gerald, we're gonna we're gonna do a a. Uh, a skip on the burn orange lenses this week as we've covered a lot in there on two shows, but an area I want to dive 
heavy on is our newest segment um and maybe uh we can get this one sponsored like our, our closing monday segment but during these these uh these covid times we've been doing the godzilla tron what we are watching and we've extended it a little to the what are we doing um during our our long and uh stayed at home days. so gerald start us off what are you watching what do you what do you do in these days uh man I am, my wife and I just started Waco, which is uh, about the Branch Davidian uh, standoff in in Waco, obviously. Uh, It's based on actually two different firsthand accounts. One of somebody who was on the the Davidian, the David Koresh side, and the other from the FBI uh, hostage negotiator. Uh, Taylor Kitsch stars as uh, David Koresh, which is interesting. And then you've got Michael Shannon kind of playing his opposite. And it's interesting. And I think um, I'll say it like this. I think they are out acting the writing that they're given. I think some of the, the writing is not great, but I think both of those Taylor Kitsch, especially I'm like, that's okay. He could do something else. Granted, it's still a Texas accent, but neither here nor there <laughs> um, to unwind from Waco. My wife and I have been binging chef show, which is super nice. fun. John Favreau and some of his famous chef friends just cooking. It's a good little, uh, little cooking show. And then I, because I, I am this guy and I love these types of movies. Uh, I watched extraction on Netflix this weekend. It's got, um, <laughs> it's got Chris Hemsworth kind of playing the action hero, which it was, it was a fun, like, 80s-style one-man army action movie. But what makes him good in those action roles is that he's, like, super charming and affable. And they did mm. very little with that. And so, like, you just kind of drained all the personality, which is one of the best parts of that guy. Uh, that's okay. All right. Um, is that a – I haven't seen it, Gerald. Is that a we need to add it to the list and watch? Or is it just if you got a time show? If you're looking for something to, like – to turn your brain off if you like if 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 you're the kind of person that likes to sit down and watch movies like Commando from 1983 <laughs> then definitely watch it um, fair enough my my other big beef is like there are a couple people that like go one on one with uh, Chris Hemsworth and Chris Hemsworth is one of the biggest human beings that's ever existed and that 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 pulled me out of the movie for a second is like Chris Hemsworth would eat that guy like just eat him <laughs> fair enough a couple points there I would be remiss my wife would 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 be angry the Branch Davidians of course the show is called Waco it actually took place at Mount Carmel she always tells me outside of Waco um, and then also have you seen Knives Out when you said Michael Shannon it made me think have you seen Knives Out it's one of those that like my wife wants to watch it but my wife is also like seven months pregnant so she goes to sleep oh. at like 8 15 Gerald you gotta do it um, you know wake up early if you have to I don't know it's uh, it's so good it is one of the most fun um, I have had and maybe it's because Ray was right at the beginning of kind of the quarantine when when um, we rented it and watched it but it's just a classic whodunit and it's it's like you don't have to like be challenged and think on a deeper level. You can just have fun watching a movie and it's just purely fun. Michael Shannon uh, is fantastic in it, but every single person who's in it is fantastic. Chris Evans, Daniel Craig, etc. That wasn't going to be um, on my list of Godzilla Tron, but, uh, but you, you uh, made me think of him. And so I, I passed it on. So we, I will tell you what I have been uh, doing and watching what I most recently did. Speaking of, uh, 2019 Oscar uh, films is we watched parasite uh, this week and it is, worth every bit of hype like it is the lebron james of films that were hyped up for a long time before i got uh to actually see it and um it it was worth it it was amazing um 
it won't give anything away if you still somehow haven't seen it. But the um, the ending is just a, a beautiful symphony of fallout uh, of well earned. Um, chaos through through the 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 initial buildup um my wife and i have different tastes and you know we'll we'll, we'll sometimes push and pull but we were both 100 percent in on parasite we also finished up ozark so we said let's go a little lighter so we recently started the marvelous miss Maisel, which fantastic there's just not enough yeah there's just not enough like female-led female focused on a main female character not part of an ensemble um shows that aren't like made for women or a little bit girly and you know like but just like anyone can watch it and enjoy it um it get on that hollywood just or you know netflix whoever just keep doing that amazon hulu etc um it's really 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 good really easy to watch really beautiful the sets are amazing the costumes are great the dialogue is is just whip smart um i'm loving it so far just in almost done with the first season but um really really enjoying uh that a lot and then the, the last one i won't go too much well we're both watching The Last Dance. Everyone, if you enjoy sports, really should. That's our that's our national pastime right now for sporting events. But the last one I will say is specifically for Gerald because I've been putting this off for probably a decade of your recommendations. Um, but I have finally started in my free time, usually in the Wii app. My wife falls asleep on the couch when we're watching these said shows. And I'm like, eh, I'm not tired yet. I'll do something with my, my time here. I've started playing Mass Effect. Um, which is a, a video game for those not aware, and it's pretty deep. It definitely hues on the you know sci-fi nerdiness that you you've come to love. Um, the other host of this this podcast for, um, but Gerald and, and another friend uh, who he hosts ironically to work woke nerds with Raymond have been hyping this game and talking about how great it is for again uh, the the better part of a decade of in person and group text conversation so i was excited to be able to not only play it but then give them play-by-plays and watch their nostalgia of me playing it i'm i'm probably uh i don't know i'm like level 40 or something so i'm, I'm pretty well into it um at this point um so i'll say this gerald so far so good it is living up to to the outsized expectations you laid for it uh and i'm loving it that's one of those like there there are a few experiences in my life that I wish I could like w- like wipe from memory and relive again. There's there's one spot in that game that I I would love to relive. Bioshock's another one that twist in Bioshock. If you're a gamer, uh, that's another one that's like super. It's like super. You can get all three Bioshock games like twelve bucks on Xbox right now. It's super cheap. Uh, so like. Yeah, and I'm glad you're enjoying it. Check it out. They're super cheap. Uh, if you have Game Pass, I think it's free. So, like, just do that. Um, you can also hear more about this on my other podcast, Two Woke Nerds. Uh, we're talking MCU again this week because they reshuffled the lineup. But, Kyle, I think it's all we've got for them this week. That's absolutely it. I'll just close with this before we do our official outro. Um, if you like this conversation here that we did at the end, and it's it's kind of a little bit off brand for what we do, but these are the COVID times. Um, give us some of your recommendations. Hit us up with the replies of Texas, you know, tweet at us uh, on any of our medias, not just Twitter, by the way, guys, our, our Instagram uh, is ramping up. We have the Facebook page. Um, 
Hit us with some replies of Texas. Hit us with some suggestions. What are you watching? What should we be watching? What video games are we missing from our uh, our you know all time collection? Any any anything that you are doing to pass the time? Let us know. Send us pictures. Do whatever. We uh, we want to hear about y'all as well. So so don't forget to uh, to hit us up. If you want more of it, let us know because we are. Uh in a season with no sports. So let us know if we, uh, if we'd like to hear us talk more about this. That's all we've got for you officially this week. Kyle, where can they find you on the internet? Oh, you can find me on Twitter at Kyle Carbon. You can also follow the Texas pregamer at Texas pregamer. You can follow me on Twitter at G H Goodridge. Follow the show on Twitter at Longhorn pod. Choose an email. LonghornRepublicPod at gmail.com. As I mentioned before, check out my other podcast. I'll be coming to you uh, later this week. This is the Thursday show, so uh, probably Friday or Saturday you'll hear from us on Two Oak Nerds. We are looking at the MCU reshuffle, and there's this really bad list of, like, who should you draft for your Avengers team? It's real, real bad. So we're going to fix that for you on that podcast. But that's all we've got for you. Thank you so much for tuning in again this week, and until next time, hook them. Hook'em. Love to relive my childhood cat Osterman crush.